Hello, it's Tonce here. I have a big, scary conversation today that I also think is really important. And I want to start with the whole crux of it, which is my fear that I will wake up one day and I'll have lost my son to the internet. He's five now and shiny-eyed and funny and so imaginative, but one day he will be 15. I've become obsessed recently with how I can help him be safe when he finds himself online with an addictive app like TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, or even if a mate shares a link to something that is violent or graphic and he's alone, trying to understand and navigate what he's seeing And most probably not going straight to his mum and saying, hey, what's this? And can you explain it to me? (laughs) So wouldn't that be lovely if that was the case? Very deep, big breath here. To me, it feels like if I gave him an iPad now and I didn't talk to him about it and he went up to his room and he was alone, to me, it feels like dropping him in Vegas by himself and saying, you'll be right. See you in a few hours. But I don't want to not allow him to use the internet. It's a miraculous place too. I don't want my kids to be disconnected or uneducated. I want them to use technology in a way that makes their lives better. I mean, I work on the internet for goodness sake. But that idea of them using technology in a positive way feels kind of like a pipe dream. As an older millennial, my biggest complaints were around the impact of The Little Mermaid and other movies just like that one on my sense of self. And I'm not taking that away from us. But what will our kids be talking about in 20 years and what will they say about the world they're living in now and how it has built their own inner voices and worldview and really their ability to enter into meaningful and satisfying healthy sexual relationships as adults? This conversation takes bravery, especially as a parent, a huge amount. It takes sitting with some very uncomfortable truths. So I decided to call up a very old friend, Marnie, to help us find some answers to some of this really hard stuff. I've known Martin McGoran for coming on 15 years. He's always been a barrel of fun and this unique combination of footy guy and entertainer who is also incredibly smart and kind. For many years, Marty was a primary school teacher who wore crazy socks with his work shoes and loved to kick the footy around with his mates and his students. He now runs a company educating teachers and parents and kids on the absolute minefield that is technology in 2021. Marty started out around eight years ago thinking his primary focus would be educating teachers on how to make the most of their class set of iPads, encourage them to have a go at Movie Maker or GarageBand, and then maybe pop a few notes in about keeping your password safe and stranger danger. Inform and Empower, which is what his company is now called, has become so much more than that. Together with his sister Carly, who is a psychologist and a mum, Marty's main job is to unpack the impact of social media and the internet on our young people and help schools and parents deal with the fallout, as well as give the kids themselves as much information, tools and strategies to navigate their rapidly changing digital world. All right, getting to the nitty gritty. In other words, much of what Carly and Marty do centres on the prevalence of pornography and the ease at which explicit and graphic content can be shared and discovered. I thought I knew a lot about what Marty was going to talk about today, but my mind was thoroughly blown. If you are a parent or planning to be one or actually just a human trying to understand more about your own internet use, this episode is for you. Here he is, Marty. My first years of teaching, Instagram had a little bit of traction in sort of 2013, 14 amongst primary school students in that 12, 
11, 12-year-old. God, that is nearly 10 years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> With I found, that? Yes. Wow. And that was really where it started, some kids getting into that space. But the – what's the word I'm thinking of? What's, what's that mathematical – I should know Trajectory, Trajectory, but you know where it goes oh, up like really – um, come on, yeah, Like a steep here. graph. Steep graph. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Listen to us, the future – Exponential. Exponential, there you go. Got it. The, the, the teaching, the future minds. Yeah, We're very exactly. clever. That's why I dropped out <laughs> of uh, economics. Um, <laughs> exponential growth of that influence of that social media and, my gosh, it is – absurd to see just in, in that sort of six, seven years from what I, what I sort of got into it, in my head I sort of thought it would be more teaching the ins and outs and the do's and don'ts and that was what I thought cyber safety sort of was, like kids, um, keep your password safe, don't talk to strangers, don't do this, do this. And as I've started to work closely with a lot of schools and you, the beauty of working with so many schools is you're not in a little island of just the school you teach at, you hear so many stories from principals and now what we're hearing is the challenges are, are growing exponentially because of what kids are exposed to. So I'm now seeing what I do in schools is more behavioural and more discussion and a lot more nuance than just coming in and telling them that, and or scaring them that they shouldn't be doing stuff and they should be doing yeah. things. So what are the things that you're seeing? Like, can you think of any stories? Yeah, well, the, the big ones is the exposure to sexual content. That's yeah, a big pornography. one. Yeah, pornography. Yeah, pornography. So, so there's layers upon layers of it. Primary school. So here's an example. We're hearing explicit image sharing amongst primary school students is happening. It's oh not gosh. something we sort of years back, no, it's a secondary issue, sending nudes and dick pics in secondary school. Yeah, that's something maybe 13, 14, 15. We now, and I really only work in primary schools, wouldn't be sort of a month go by where I'll get to a school to do the, the presentations for the day and the principal will pull me aside and sort of say, by the way, we had this incident happen involving a 12-year-old, 11-year-old sharing explicit images. Oh, my gosh. And and the influences that has led to that, it's pretty clear we're talking. So TikTok's probably, I'm on a real bandwagon around the age exposure to TikTok, among other lots. So Snapchat and Instagram have their challenges um, for sure, but TikTok particularly because do, – do you use it at all, TikTok? No, I don't. I'm, no, I only watch videos that pop up on my Instagram from TikTok. Yeah, so I get the, the vibe of the it, TikTok. but I'm uh, – yeah, I haven't actually launched into that one or Snapchat. Yeah. But I, I can kind of see – so they're short videos, right? Yeah. So what's the difference between TikTok? Because I, th- I feel like we know Instagram – well, I know Instagram yeah, yeah. sharing images, but mm. what's the difference there with so, TikTok? Let's go Snapchat for a tick. The okay. issue we see with Snapchat in primary schools is that disappearing or ephemeral, I think the, the word they use, messaging. So Snapchat, as people listening would know, the whole idea is send something, it's only got five or ten seconds. Mm. When primary school kids are, are using these apps, their little developing minds have no concept of the fallout from some, sending something for five or ten seconds. And in a Perfectly clear example, and I share this with parents constantly when we're trying to encourage them to delay access. A group of girls at a primary school just early this year that we were working with and the principal had said through Snapchat there was some really horrific chat going on and one of the girls unleashed, which is becoming a term these days, go kill yourself in a message to another girl at the school. And these are 12-year-olds. And they'd taken a photo of the picture so there was evidence of it and the girl's response was simply, oh, but it was only for five seconds. So you can see how a 12-year-old brain doesn't compute that sending something horrific or nasty because Snapchat 
puts it in a way that it, it's gone. It's it's just there. It's, it's just, just a sort quick of, one. Yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. It's not important. But as yeah. an adult brain, we, we can sort of comprehend that a message, as short as it is, the impact on the person, the fallout is so much greater. And, and so, yeah, one of our big ones is just challenging parents to have a look at when you expose them to social media. So, so that, that's Snapchat, mm. TikTok. Gosh, I could I could go on. It's... It's, Do go on. Yeah, yeah. This it, is where he's Yeah, so it's yeah. big one. TikTok is, yeah, short videos, but it it's an absolute um, melting pot of content. So there's funny, inane grandpas dancing and hilarious stuff but mixed into that. And here's the, the nuanced part of it. They have, the, so on Instagram, you know how if you're scrolling Instagram, you see the content of the people you follow. Mm with a few advertisements put in. Yep. And then it'll even get to the little reminder saying you're all caught up. Mm. Okay, so they've set that up in that way. TikTok's different. It's got an infinite scroll, meaning that you, when you get on there, the videos you see are not from users that you follow. It's anyone who's got public content. And that's the big challenge. You put a primary school age child, let alone a teenager, on TikTok, and the content they're seeing is from the hundreds of millions of users. And it's adult content. It is the most sexualized, it's the most graphic drug sex references mixed in amongst sort of the funny stuff. Like so, the cat videos, because yeah, that's all I've seen, like the ones that people are bobbing in a room to oh, a song or Absolutely, and, and there's hilarious stuff on there, but all it takes, and, and this is where that sort of crazy algorithm takes um, hold, is when if they're scrolling in the moment, you, you'd understand elements of this from Instagram and any yeah. social media is that if you pause on a particular video for a little bit, the algorithm starts changing. And so something that might be a little bit sexual in nature and a kid curiously sort of pauses or clicks on that profile, suddenly the algorithm starts, oh, they like that content. Let's buy videos down, put something a little bit more. And right. then it gets, starts getting curated. And, and once again, these are all people they don't follow. So little 11-year-old Johnny He's on TikTok scrolling through content from any other user um, around the globe with an infinite scroll, meaning there's no all caught up, if that makes sense. So literally next video, next video. So there's the elements of the time suck, of course, of it, but then the content that is on there with, yeah, really loose TikTok. I'm, yeah, loose uh, moderating in terms of what gets through there because they don't have to be child-friendly because they're not a child-friendly platform. Right. So is that how they get yeah. over, get around it, that they've got an age limit that you're supposed to stick to? Is yeah. it over 13 or something? Correct. So that's worth understanding that the, the 13 years of age is it, – it's a, it's in the terms of service of these – of Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. They all have that 13, but it's purely based on the legalities of when you, when you can collect the data of individuals. So it's just a, a legal minimum age. And a lot of parents hear that 13 and think it's like a – a suitability rating, like a, like a PG uh, movie. Uh, Does that yes, make sense? It makes so, total sense. So yeah, they say, yeah. oh, a 12-year-old, I'll let them watch PG movies. So, yep, Snapchat's 13 or um, oh, TikTok's or over, 13. And it'll yeah. be fine it's and that's fine, not too bad. Absolutely not because it's all mixed in. There's not like an R-rated version that you can allow over 18s to see and then under 18s see different content. It is literally everything thrown into one. And, and the cross-promotion, here's another one just to – I haven't convinced Just a you. Cam- yeah, Marty's oh, campaign yeah. against TikTok. Oh, 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 oh. I am on board. Yeah. So are you aware of OnlyFans? 
Do you know OnlyFans? I've, I've heard of OnlyFans, correct, yes, I have. And that's sort of, okay, you explain it, you'll be explaining no, it. No, go, go tell me your version of it. Okay, so my understanding, not that I've ever looked at it, yeah. but that you, you can choose who you follow and you can pay people to do things through OnlyFans, is that correct? And it's videos and content and stuff like that. Close, yeah, it, it is. So it's a subscription platform. It's effectively, a nice way to put it is it's the Uber of porn. Because, Whoa, yes, okay. any, anybody can create their own content, like Uber, anyone can drive a car, and you then sell subscriptions to you. So it's not like you go on a, a porn website and there's just lots of videos of anything that you click on. You go onto OnlyFans, and if you like a particular man or woman, you follow them, and it might be they set their price, so often it's like $10 a month, and you get all their content, and they'll just self-produce videos and pictures. Oh, okay. And... What we're seeing now, and, and this came up recently with a fellow cyber safety educator who I was chatting to dealing with some high school students over in Western Australia, girls who decided it might be a good idea to create their own OnlyFans account and start oh. selling the content. You can wow. imagine how that ended up. In, because the content, most of it, is highly sexual, pornography, hardcore, softcore, whatever um, you pitch yourself at. But there's no barrier to entry. With a smartphone and a camera, you can literally be creating your own. And, and the money's the lure, of course, because yeah. they see, oh, gosh, I can make like a fortune. Oh, if I get 100 subscribers per month times, yep. It, so so, so as a teenager, instead of working oh. at Macca's, you can, oh, God. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. the awareness of this platform is, is huge. I was only chatting to my 15-year-old nephew last week, and he said, oh, yeah, someone on OnlyFans – Got a million dollars in, like, I don't know, again, he's, where he's getting his info from, but the fact that it's all being chatted about by teenagers, oh, yeah. he, they, earned, they earned a million dollars in their first month on OnlyFans because they had some huge following elsewhere. And, and going back to TikTok, you'll see a lot of sexualised content on TikTok. They can't have full-blown pornography on there. They do draw the line there, but they'll have close enough to it but then they'll have links to OnlyFans as in that oh. they use that to promote themselves. Oh, if you want okay. more of my content, head to OnlyFans. So it's sort of leading kids down particular pathways. Oh, absolutely. And the influences, yeah, on that, that sexual content, um, we're seeing the fallout being huge. Yeah. So what is the fallout of that? So I know this is a yeah. really heavy oh, yeah, yeah, it discussion. Is. It, it's heavy and yeah, big. And big. The, the big... The big thing is it, it's evolving so rapidly that we're, we're seeing little bits of it and the pieces haven't all been put together because it, it is It's also moving. new. Yeah, right? it, absolutely. Some of the real horrific things, and we're, we're seeing this, is obviously around the big topic, which has been amazingly brought to the, the forefront around consent. Um, so sexual content online, there is no consent. Um, sexual content online, majority of it involves violence, majority violence towards women. So... How young people, if they're getting their sexual education from this, there is no way their little brains cannot be influenced in a negative way as they start their own sexual relationships and as they yeah. start getting out into the world. If they've seen, like, to be graphic, we're talking about choking, so talking talking about um, grabbing and, and all of these things that in pornography is just seen as that's what you see. It's yeah. the difference being... What they are exposed to in the pornography sense is so out of the realm of what we, from our generation, 20, 30 years so ago... So it's not like looking at a Playboy mag or something. Oh, and, yeah. and that's the thing. Their, their first exposure, whether accidental um, or 
searching up words because they're curious and a brother or an older sister, brother, says to them, oh, you should check out this website. Their first exposure won't be what we may have seen as, as a nude picture and a curiosity sort of thing. It is going to be fully blown hardcore pornography that is it's so accessible. Um, and you hear anecdotes from emergency wards of young girls being um, admitted with injuries, performed doing sex acts that they've seen or they think are normal because both that's the, yeah, yeah, that's what they've seen. So they've both seen. So it's yeah, not yeah. even just men or women, it's not young all, men or women. It's not all, yeah, absolutely yeah. not always. It's, it's both exposure from girls and boys. The girls see it and, again, think that's how they should act. The boys see it and think that's how they should act and that forms their norms. And I guess, yeah, parents these days, I don't envy yourself being a parent of littlies, um, myself not having my own kids but working with so many parents, the challenges around the conversations you have to have now that you never used to, like our parents probably could get away with sort of almost having just a bit of a basic sex talk maybe, if any, but knowing there weren't lots of influences otherwise. Like yeah. you're not going to get another sex education back in the 80s apart from maybe a Playboy magazine or talking yeah, and then Yeah, and there'll be something, a presentation at school and that'll be all right. Yeah. They'll be fine. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I feel parents almost have to work doubly as hard now knowing all of those influences that we, we can't shut down and, and say, oh, I'm just going to um, protect them and they're not going to see any of it. It's where – and the work I do, I, I co-present with uh, my sister Carly who's a psychologist and a mum and – a big part of our work with parents in primary schools is conversations, how important they are because kids who can unpack. So we have to almost say it's inevitable that young people will see pornography, that they are going to be exposed to it. As much as that wow. frightens the bejesus out of parents, you have to concede it's not like a, a if they'll see it, it's a when they'll see it. And, and if parents have been proactive in conversations, kids being able to unpack that and most parents aren't comfortable chatting about it. Who, who? Yeah. <laughs> just casually your, over the dinner can, table. Yeah, you see I can my see face? Look on your face. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I have a, a little boy and a little girl, and I think, God, the stuff that you know we're dealing with. You get to be Batman, and you get to be, you know, Robin, and it's okay if everyone has different roles. You know, yeah. like eat your broccoli. Yeah. That's this isn't the kind of parenting gig I signed no. up for. You know. It is, and it's out yeah. of parents' comfort zone. Um, and there's some yeah. some great educators out there working in schools with parents and teachers and the kids themselves because they are actually conversations that we've never had to have that we now need to actually have. And it's it's new. Like this is there isn't really a model for no. how this is going to go or where this is going to lead our young people. Yeah, in and, the future. Well, we don't have role models of our own parents talking about the pornography chat because. There wasn't oh, that chat. Most of the time parents are blushing about just talking about the actual act itself, yeah, you know, yeah. let alone anything else around this kind of education. Yeah. So what do we do? So I know you've said a yeah. little bit about having these early conversations. What should parents be aware of? What should we do? There's definitely middle ground because I'm, I'm not a out there to slander all sorts of tech. There is amazing stuff. And my interest in tech came from how much awesome things there is to create and having kids working in primary school, seeing them coding and making multimedia and recording podcasts and all of that. So I guess my middle ground is having kids using tech, but, okay, in the online space, supervision is, is massive. It's, un, it's not something kids can be on devices out of bedroom. So if you're looking for a golden rule, 
young kids in bedrooms is the absolute recipe for challenges, for problems, for drama. So that's okay. that's number one um, that we tell every school, every parent that we come across is, is that is the most simplest thing you can do. Is And set that up from a really early age as you were – we're talking about your littlies are nowhere near that conversation, but a small thing, parents of five and six-year-olds, is just to start that habit early that devices aren't in bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the things, and we still haven't touched on this, is is one of those additional risks. And even though it's a small risk, it's one of the most sort of horrific risks is, is that online grooming and the sexual exploitation of kids online, which there's been a podcast just out recently in Australia by the Australian Counter child exploitation i think they're called it's the federal police and they've just released a podcast series of six or seven episodes in the last month which they wanted to really shed the light on this isn't something that is a one in a billion chance they had twenty-one thousand reports of child exploitation material in one year in the last year twenty-one thousand reports of it and unfortunately going back to that point about devices in bedrooms um i'm dropping lots of uh, not-so-fun anecdotes, but they were referring to one of their situations of a young Australian person who had shared explicit images of themselves and video, and they were in their inner private room of their home and they could literally hear the family mucking around outside in the background. So it's happening whilst the family's there, but the kids are being unsupervised and on platforms that aren't age appropriate so yeah the first one supervision is a, is a massive one and as Carly who I mentioned before as being a parent she uses the word dementing because it, it's tough it's hard work supervising mm. it, it's it's so much easier as you can imagine to oh I to know just go, yep here you go Great. here's the iPad yeah. I see yep. you soon you're doing some Minecraft mm. or something yeah. you'll be right yeah and and, and yeah. there are there are some good technical solutions around filtering that definitely that can be put on around having kids use YouTube Kids, for example, instead of YouTube, the fully-fledged version of it. So mm-hmm. there are little safety measures you can put in place to stop younger kids being on the fully-blown What are some – are they ones that you would recommend for parents yeah, so to do that? Yes, so probably the best one, and most people being in the, in the Apple world, Apple have something called screen time. So screen time's brilliant. It's free with all – and those of us as adults with an, an iPhone would have seen screen time in there in the settings where it actually gives you a little monthly report about what you've done on your screen. But what it allows you to do is have your child on an iPad or a hand-me-down iPhone, for example, but then you are able to remotely put parental supervision and say, no, they can't access YouTube. They can have YouTube kids. They can. So that's probably the, the most user-friendly, easily accessible one is what they call screen time, which comes with all Apple devices, doesn't cost anything. But the amount of parents who aren't aware of it, just for, for lack of, of knowledge of it, that's definitely the probably the top of the bunch. All right, and that's free. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so that's great. So that's something you can do and there's no barrier to No, no barrier to it. There are some paid options. There's one called Family Zone. Mm-hmm. Family Zone is more across any device. So you can put that on like your internet on your router and it controls the Wi-Fi on your home. You can have different devices a small subscription for that but that's that's one that's been around and i could recommend as well family zone if okay. you've got the apple devices definitely screen time would right. be the go-to. in all of the mix of this i'm thinking that obviously this is so dangerous for kids but kids are just small people who become big adults and we have major problems with screen addiction ourselves as grown-ups do you see a correlation 
between mental health for adults as well? Do parents talk about that much with you? Yeah, the um, something I do often consider working with the kids and, and myself being um, an adult with a phone and a laptop and an iPad and all of it is that I'm personally challenged at times with my own screen time just my own life and with my with my wife and our time our eyes are down on screens and not focused on the person you're with mm. so my obvious one is I've got a fully grown brain I think <laughs> mostly <laughs> mostly um, don't bring my wife into yeah. that conversation no and exactly and, and to be fair just to bring it up Mel is an obstetrician and incredibly smart yes. and very very capable her brain's person. probably well and truly developed <laughs> mine's getting there Correct. and and just as a side note Marty does have well what the last time I went to your place you had a room just for Lego for you I do have a room full of Lego yeah does that where does that put me in the brain development stuff? I think right up there. You know, Lego master. Yeah, you co- know? correct. You're just keeping all that playfulness alive, yes, which I a, think is great. A, bl- a grown ma- I don't often share that publicly. This doesn't go out publicly, does it? I'm proud. <laughs> I'm owning it. I'm owning it. You did. You sent me a video I with know. the soundtrack and everything. I am owning I'm really my, impressed my Lego with it. room. Um, was I? Something about a fully grown brain. Like oh, yeah, about yeah. being an adult yeah. and having a fully grown brain, yes. but the addiction to screen yeah, time. and how it challenges us. That. Mm. let alone young people. And yeah. the Netflix doco, did you see... Um, I did. Social Dilemma? Yes, correct. Yeah, so yeah. Social Dilemma, my take on that is it's insightful. It was obviously very Hollywood. No, yeah, the inflammatory, yeah. I guess, would yeah. be the right word, like big, scary correct. messaging, which exactly. I, I feel is sometimes a space that we can get into with this stuff. And then... My brain just wants to shut down and go, too hard, too big, too scary. Surely it can't be that bad. Bye. And I just don't want to engage. Yeah, it, Do you know it, what I mean? It is. It's like the yeah. um, like supersize me and yeah. sea spiracy and those that yeah. are like, whoa. It, exactly. It, and sugar is so terrible that we should all not have any of it. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I know. Yeah. It, it, that's an interesting one around the messaging. Do people go, not when I say people, do these films and docos go too far that they actually aren't getting the message, like you said. Yeah, because it's too big and too scary. Yeah. yeah. I wonder whether that doesn't make enough make change in a real way because we can't do, – doing it to the nth degree, it's almost impossible. Like, yeah. for instance, I always think about my phone and how much I'd love to not have one because yep. I feel like it takes up a part of my brain that I could otherwise be doing other stuff with yep. and I'm always conscious of it. I'm conscious where it is all the time. Yep. I weirdly find it in my pocket even when I – think I haven't got it with me, I will be doing something like spending time with my kids and I'm admitting this and I will be thinking when can I go back to my bedroom and have a look at Instagram. Absolutely. Yeah. I've spent last week, went out of Melbourne for three days and my my sole focus was to get off my phone. So I had it on, I put on the aeroplane mode. Mm. I'm not sure why I didn't turn it off completely. That might have been a subconscious that so I couldn't it, yeah, bear to have it off. Exactly. And then turned it yeah. on for a couple of times. But the amount of willpower, I literally went away with that intent last week for three days. And the amount of willpower and the amount of times I went to, as you said, check. think yeah. I'll just check or oh, on uh, when's the sun setting because I was going to go for a run that night. And in my head I'm like, just go. Like whenever, like if, if it's a bit dark or not. But we almost rely on every minutiae of information to come from it. Oh. Yeah. And I'll ask Google, when's the sunset? I didn't because I was in this space, but probably tomorrow I'll do that. I'll probably ask yeah. when the sun's setting. Really? Look exactly. out the window. <laughs> and if it's getting dark, go for a run, yeah. get, get out quickly. But every, yeah, what we are tethered and to have young people growing up, yeah, and, and you hit on two interesting things there. 
with with kids yourself about the role the role modeling mm. that if if that's what our kids are seeing and just chatting to family recently who have got little ones talking about their I think two two and three year old how they see this mystical object in mummy and daddy's hands and mummy and daddy's eyes on it and obviously they're drawn to it because what is it that they're so drawn to Therefore, they're drawn to it. My brother, who's got a two or three-year-old, I should know that. <laughs> Kids, they grow up so they yeah. just the age is always changing. Thank so it's you. Really um, hard. As, as an <laughs> uncle, I can sort of loosely give ages. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll be that vague one. But he he's got a dumb phone. So I went and saw him recently, and he he's sacked his smartphone. So he he's literally typing text messages, tapping the number one multiple times oh my to God, get a B. A Nokia. Yes, I love and that. I think it is a Nokia, Nokia thirty three ten. I'm not sure it's that one, but... But that was mine. I'm just remembering. Yeah. You know? That was... So So he's made the... It's his first child and with the thinking about he, like all of us, was on his phone, eyes on it, he mm. thought and has, has made that actionable change that he's bought the dumb phone because he does not want to be on that screen in front of his little one and he sets aside time of a night. So I think it's going to be an interesting space to watch uh, how us as adults, mm. whether we are going to start sort of circling back around screen time because it's it's been... It's just taking over. Oh. It's taking over our lives. And I, I actually think I had an accident a couple of years ago where I fell over and broke my teeth. Yep. And when I really think about it, if I'm super honest, it was because of my phone because I had my headphones in, I was listening to a podcast, I was trying to skip the ad yep. and I had my dog in my other hand but I was trying to do too many things at once, looked, looked down at my screen, not at the road in front of me, and it was nighttime. What am I doing running while also looking at my phone at night time. And, you know, obviously also bad timing plus a little bit of like unconus that yeah. Claire has. <laughs> I understand. I have many weird accidents often. But I do think that was part of it. And I and I know that when you bring this up, often there's a lot of eye rolling involved yeah. and like, oh, but also they're so powerful and amazing that we have this device in our pocket that gives us access to the whole world. I mean, that is incredible yeah. you know at the same time so I really it's it's I'm torn and I, I'm not saying you have to have the answer no this, no but don't you think it's really interesting and I wonder where it's all leading for our parents and for our kids and for us yeah as people absolutely and and I do without being the old back in my day I, I worry about kids who are getting phones in teenage years, um, in primary school years, I should say, yeah. and not exploring those physical things that they once did mm. and not exploring the social things that they once and did. And taking as many risks. I saw that statistic that young people are actually taking fewer risks, teenagers, in yep. terms of in person. Yep. So they'll be taking risks online, but in person the rate of you know teen pregnancies and drug use and things like that is down. Ah, that's interesting. Which seems like a positive when you look at it yeah. on the surface, but when you start to unpack it, you realise it's because teenagers are designed, their brains are firing, ready to move away from their parents and risk-take, and it's a yep. big part of their development to build resilience and work out their boundaries and understand who they are. And I'm not saying I want teenagers to go out and take drugs and have sex early <laughs> and all that stuff. It's not what I'm saying. But I do think there's a big part of teenagehood that's about exploring that side, you know, putting yeah. on the like the eyeliner and like going to that party in the park and like yeah. sneaking around a little bit. And if my kids are listening to this later, not my kids, <laughs> or I'll, I'll be on to you. No, but I, you know, I think that's important yeah. for our social health and development. And I wonder whether 
some of the rates of suicide we're seeing in mental health, I do think there might be a correlation yeah. with that with our and, young people. And do you think an element of that, just thinking out loud, is that everything's documented? So every little risk, if you mm-hmm. if you want to do that silly thing or muck around, or but it's going to be documented. Like someone will have a phone and literally be capturing you, and yeah. therefore everything you do, good, bad, and the ugly. There is a record of almost. Like, there's not much that teens would do that's not being filmed or photographed at the time. Yeah. Or, or isn't a second away from someone having a phone out if, if somebody decides to do something. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. And yet there's this solo time they're having with these apps that are quite dangerous. So yeah. it's really interesting. So in your opinion, is there a safe time to give a teenager a phone? <laughs> that's a loaded question. Like when when do you – because obviously that's a big thing parents must be grappling yeah, with. Yeah, it, it is. Once again, it's really nuanced. Obviously there's lots of variables with the, the child involved. Um, but – one small thing for parents that we always suggest, just a little thing, is rather than gifting, and this often happens, gifting a phone for a birthday or a Christmas, kids don't have their own money. Therefore, you make sure the phone is given to them um, and you own and, and the phone is yours because the whole idea of giving it your birthday present, oh, by the way, there's all these strings attached, give it to them at a certain a, a certain time or, or place, but it's not a, a present. It's just a small little subtlety around not giving them a gift and then them feeling, oh, but you've given me this and now you're doing all this to it. No, no, here's a phone we're providing you and ah, you as a clever. parent can then have more... Agency yeah, or yeah, control over Yeah, it. correct, without sort of... It's my house. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and it is. Yeah. And there's elements of, once again, not speaking out of term with not being a parent myself, but hearing Carly share this message as a parent and in this space, you do have to make the unpopular decisions and that's... We're unfortunately hearing, and, and Carly works with a lot of her clients in this space around not being the best friend of your child. You're not there to be their best mate. Mm. And I obviously can't unpack that too much without being in that space myself. But we do know that the parents who are making the unpopular decisions and making the decisions that are in the line to use is, is what kids are needing, not what they're wanting. And there's such a huge difference, oh, obviously. Yeah, completely. Um, and, but interestingly, again, referring to Carly once more with psychology work, she talks about people in their 20s who look back at their parents who were super strict or whatever at the time and realise how amazing they were as parents. Yeah. But in that moment, they hated their guts. They hated their guts. And I, I guess that's something that parents need to reflect on is at that point in time you will be hated and, and you will be making unpopular decisions but in the long run they'll, they'll look back on it and get, your kids will reflect back on it and go that was pretty awesome actually. Because it takes more energy actually to make your kids do things and obviously as a parent this is so hard and it's nuanced as you said because yeah. different kids are different. Yeah. Some kids are more compliant than others. Yeah. Some kids are more enthusiastic than others yeah. and they have different challenges health wise and social wise and all the things so it's your family dynamic and some kids if you push too hard push right away yeah so obviously this is why we have people like Carly who are psychologists to navigate this but I do think in general yeah being that parent that's like vigilant and watching and it takes energy it's like you were saying it's dementing (laughs) having to constantly be policing everything they do kids would hate that but Mm. in hindsight they don't know what's good for them always yeah absolutely and we do have to be that line of defence I think, yeah. For sure. I, I, to sum up when to get a phone, probably my best response to giving kids a, a smartphone, if, if you're 
We find a lot of parents do give dumb phones to younger kids for that whole, if they need to text message or call, there's phones out there on the market that are made for that, which they don't have Instagram and the internet yeah, on them. Okay. So that's one option because if kids go, oh, but I need it for safety, which, which might be a valid point if they're yeah. walking home from school or whatever it might mm. be, or going between shared families and all those yeah. things, that's the first thing. Get them a phone that has just text messaging and phone on it, mm. right? So when getting a smartphone, probably the best way to sum it up is when are you willing as a parent to have the conversations around pornography, body image, social media, bullying, friendship groups. The moment you've built up the those conversations, that's when you're more likely. So it's not a magic age or I would suggest it's when you as a parent, because that might come a lot earlier. Some families might be having some amazing discussions and really rich dialogue with mature little people and therefore a phone might be more suitable. But it comes down to if a parent's willing to have those conversations, but if you're ahead in the sand and not talking about that, and you, you just hand over a phone because they, they hit year seven, that's when we see, unfortunately, yeah, the proverbial hit the fan. Wow. Because mm. it's also the, the other part of it is, yes, they want safety and things, but really we all know it's about keeping up with the person next to them in class, isn't it? And yeah. not being excluded. And that is the hard part. Yeah. I think that's the real crux of it for, t- for parents, I'm assuming, that they've got a teenager where that they don't want them to feel different and isolated and their social lives are happening online. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And we, yeah, so you have to make that concession that our kids are digitally connected in, in ways that we weren't and we have to concede that but not at the expense of, of their safety and that, that comes above all else. But the, the whole, getting back to primary school, something we've seen work really well is where collectives of parents make decisions around TikTok or Instagram and Snapchat so that it's not just the one kid in grade five, but all my friends have Snapchat, so how am I going to, I'm going to be left out of everything? And we hear that, and that's absolutely spot on because there are big groups of school communities where the parents are having kids on Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok in grade, well, we hear it down to the youngest of grades. But yeah. when groups of parents sort of bandy together almost and go, you know what? It's going to be easy for all of us if we, like the 10 of us, because our kids all hang out, we all just go, you know what, no Snapchat and Insta and TikTok till we'll address that in high school and then make some decisions there, but at least draw a line in the sand and make it together because you then at least take out that whole argument of, but all my friends are. Yeah. That's something we've seen work really well and parents have shared that back to us and gone, they've either come to an evening of ours or they've on their own accord made that decision, but getting that collective is, is awesome. That's awesome, actually. I could mm. really see that working because yeah. already it's about community, isn't it, yeah, really? Yes. And actually talking and knowing the other families who belong to your kids and whose friends they are, you know, the families are the friends of your kids. Yeah, yes. And knowing that and having that sort of connected in with their real lives and being brave enough yep. to understand this kind of honesty yeah. around it all and actually opening the discussion and going into the dark and getting your kids out of there rather than just hoping for the best head in the sand. We'll just pretend it's not happening and that's fine. Yeah, you know? and, and, and I guess the approach to that digital parenting is very much in that middle space. That At one end you could have the laissez-faire, anything goes, we clearly know that's going to be a really risky mm-hmm. space, but the other end being sort of I'm just going to lock it down, they're not going to have a device, they're never getting this, they're never getting that, that's equally risky in so many ways because as we know with anything – 
if you're not talking about it and if you're not slowly exposing them in sort of responsible age-appropriate ways, they're going to get a time. They'll do it at a friend's place. They'll go behind your back. They're going – so it's, it's, it's a really, as we've said a few times, nuanced sort of middle mm. ground um, rather yeah. than either end of that spectrum. Yeah, I really loved – I was looking at your website – and I liked, because you do, I want to talk about something a little bit yep. different now. You do these these incursions, Thrive Online, yep. where you go into schools and you put on different roles. Yep. Do you, yeah, you do like a, a mighty play. Yes. Yeah. And I saw you with a cap on, being a young youth, I yep. think, being cool. <laughs> I loved it. But you have this sort of little saying that being internet awesome, which is about being smart, kind, alert, brave and strong. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do in that instance? So let's go, we've done all that heavy lifting, yep. all of that Big, tough conversation. Yeah. What are the fun stuff? What can we teach our kids in that space? Yeah. How can we empower them? Yeah. Well, I, I often – so those five words, that they come from an online program that I use, which, which funny enough, Google of all people came up with. But the reason I highlight smart, alert, strong, kind and brave is is they're really positive. And I, when I work with kids, it's those conversations I've had with you now, they sort of form the why, but obviously I don't go in and unload on kids around <laughs> the internet being the most horrific. 21. Scary place, yeah. yeah. Did, did you know grade threes? There were 21,000 reports of child sexual exploitation <laughs> material. <laughs> Hands up if you knew that. Yeah. So no, that's not my opening line to grade threes. Um, yeah. It's why I do what I do, but using that language of getting them to see the internet as, because I effectively go in and, Something I love to do with kids is I'll, I'll play this little game called sit, squat, stand, and I say to them, I'm going to put something up on the board, a whole range of gaming websites and um, YouTubers and all sorts of things. If you really love it, stand up. If you're not, sit down and in the middle is squatting. So I'll put them up and the kids lose their minds. So I'll put like, do you know PewDiePie? Yes, correct. PewDiePie, do you know? yes, yep, yeah, the biggest yeah. YouTuber out there. And the kids leap up and... Um, then I'll put on a Preston, Preston plays and all these these different YouTubers. I'll put on Fortnite and engage the kids in their world first. So I, every time I go into a school, I engage them in what they know and love first and then almost work backwards from there and go, because you love all of that, this is why the next hour and a half, whatever I spend with the kids, is so important that we start to think about being really smart, being alert, um, kind, brave, etc. because of what you do online you love so much, I'm not here to tell you to get off all of those things because that's, that would be an absurd message to take into schools. But it's, okay, what are you doing? How can we sort of re- reframe what they're doing online by getting them to think? And critical thinking's probably above all else what we want our kids to be doing online. We want them to be seeing that comment that's either nasty or bullying and thinking in their mind, okay, what are my options here, like bystander, upstander, um, how can that be reported, what would I do in that sense? So my approach with kids is very much, I know the internet's a big part of who you are, what are your behaviours, and here's some practical, so my little role-playing of, um, <laughs> it's my, I always sort of joke, my unfulfilled um, acting drama <laughs> career that never was, never has been, Um just as a side note, Marty once recruited all of us to be in a short film that he created, True. wrote, like it, directed. It's sort of simmering, isn't it? Yeah, now that <laughs> you say that. that little side project going on. Yes. I can see one day Martin McGoran, Steven Spielberg. I have, I have premiered a movie in a cinema you in have? Melbourne. Correct. Most people can't attest that to their resume, can they? No, they certainly can't. No, no. no. And I, to this day, you're the only friend of mine that has asked me to be in a film. 
Thank you. And Thank we you all much. had a ball. Yeah, we did. And yes, I and have. it was excellent. It was super fun. So <laughs> I do have these sort of creative outlets. I, I, I've never let talent get in the way <laughs> of, of holding me back. And much to, much to my wife's often, uh, I don't know, I, I think the eye chagrin. roll. Is, yeah, chagrin's a good word. The eye roll when I'll tell her what I'm up to. Um, and I must say... In all seriousness, I, I don't have any um, amazing acting abilities, but what I, I do is just change the tone of the way I speak. And the kids, so, so in simply in an hour and a half with grade threes, fours, fives and sixes, sort of grade seven to 12-year-olds, I'll introduce myself as Marty. Um, we're talking about all things online and what we'd, we want to get out of this is for you at the end of it to walk out of here being smarter, more alert, more strong, more brave and kind. And we're going to meet someone else along the way. His name's Alex. And so I, I literally go behind a screen and come back out. And initially when I did it a couple of years ago, I had like this full costume change. I had like a jacket with like a shirt sewn into it. And, I, and it just got too much. I was sick of it. So now it's literally a baseball cap um, and that's it. So I, when I've got a baseball cap, I'm Alex. I come out and my body language changes a bit and my voice changes slightly to represent this character. But it's amazing how... At the end of it, when I get feedback from the kids and they fill out little sort of online surveys at the end to talk about what they learnt most, they talk about this Alex as he is a person, a thing, oh, it was great when Alex did this and Alex did that. And so as much as I, did, I think, oh, yeah, I'm just changing my voice and putting a cap on, they relate to that because he's actually experiencing things online. And then I'll snap out of him and come back and go, okay, what do we think happened there? What would you? What could you do in that situation? And then we'll lead some discussion around. So maybe he's just been um, watching something go on with his mates bullying each other or bullying someone. How would they attack that? And and they can very much remove as much as it's a baseball cap and me sliding behind the screen. They can remove themselves, me from them. And I'll even get the littler ones come up at the end and and ask questions about Alex. Like and they'll talk to me about this third person um, <laughs> like he's, he's its own little character. So it, it is quite remarkable that with very minimal skill set I'm able to play two characters. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah, I can see that you've got so much like joy in that kind of role that you take on. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I originally wrote it thinking it could be for two people, like it would be me and then I never found anyone to play, <laughs> to play the second role. So, in all honesty, I wrote it for two people, the script and everything. Yeah. Um, and never found anyone to do it with me. And so I thought, oh, initially I'll just do it myself and I'll find – I've never found someone. Not, not that yeah. I've, I've sort of stopped And looking. Alex just came to you. Yeah. You and, know, he's just he's – he's within you, Marty. Yes. Just, so, um, you know, it's – Rather yeah, than – and the big approach. Opus. Yeah. <laughs> the big – well, having been a teacher, as we've chatted about, was – the kids didn't need another adult talking at them for an hour and a half. Like that, it's not good pedagogy. It's not good. Um, we just know it doesn't work to kids. Yet yeah. often messages are pushed on to kids through just dialogue, one-way dialogue. So that was that probably formed why I deliver it in the way I want because I want the kids to be part of it um, and they don't need another adult telling them what to do. Yeah, completely. So I, I would so recommend it. I could just see this being such a perfect thing for schools and I just feel really lucky to be having this conversation with you actually yeah, already. You. I enjoy it, yeah. Yeah, I do so enjoy it. I'm getting back into it after a little bit of a break through Melbourne's lockdowns. Yeah. Um, tomorrow, so I'm, I'm pumped to be getting oh. getting back out there, getting the baseball cap back on. Yeah, <laughs> dusting it off dusting and getting, off the old get, baseball walking back cap. into your classic role. Alex. Into Alex. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I want to take like a slight U-turn and I want to talk about you in your life and the way you set your life up? Because obviously you work for yourself as well as working in schools and you've created this life for yourself with your partner, Mel. And I'm really interested in the way that works. Can you talk me through your relationship and the way you approach your life? Yeah. So I guess in a nutshell, my wife, Mel, and I have been married um, 10 Again, I should know this. It's like the uncle who doesn't know the birthday. I don't know. To be fair, I never know either. No, I'm I'm, um, just over 10 years, but together a long time. And we've got no kids, which often is a topic of conversation. Being together 10 years, and I'm uh, happy to talk about this because sometimes people, couples who are together all the time, and I must say females more so, and Mel will share this, she gets a lot more almost inappropriate comments and remarks around, oh, kids, when are you having kids? Like, when are you having kids? Mm. Um, which I must say, like, amongst like male friends of mine and even female friends of mine, it's not often discussed. And it's always been something that's been really clear to us as a couple who have been together a long time, not having kids, not at this stage intending to, that she will have a lot more people just being really forthright asking, which... The irony is she works in a field in obstetrics where she sees how difficult it is to have kids, number one. So there's that whole topic of how insensitive it is to raise with a woman of any age around kids. Oh, you have no idea about someone's story. Oh, e- exactly. So Mel being like a healthy healthy person and us not having happy to share, we haven't had any traumatic story of trying to have kids, but... She knows within that field just how often and how common that is. That's not spoken about as, as um, it's starting to hopefully get shared more and talked about more about how that whole process of pregnancy yeah, is not just off. Oh, we've had a baby and what's gone on before it. So, yeah, that's an interesting part of who Mel and I are is the fact that we, we don't have kids and how it's really never brought up with me. Occasionally there'll be... Um, some jest about it, or, or mates will generally just joke that, that I'm Mal cops yeah, it. Yeah, that she does, so which is yeah, which is a really interesting part of it. Yeah, what has that allowed you in your life to do? Yeah, I, oh, not really. That's a loaded question, I guess. <laughs> but well, how does how do you operate yeah, in that way? I guess we a big part was travel. We always said travel wants to be both in our professional spaces. Um, Mel in the medical world has scope to to take her skill set around the globe. 
um, myself in education or even being sort of up for any sort of challenge, we would very happily sort of shuffle around the globe at any stage. Move to Hollywood. Move to Hollywood, <laughs> premiere my movies, take Alex on the road. <laughs> I'm picturing one of those buses, you know, like the big American bands where they've got those luxury buses. Correct. With yep. Alex, like a room just for Alex, a room for me, even though we're the same person. <laughs> room for your Lego. I'm sounding more and more <laughs> nutty as this interview goes yeah, on. Yeah, but that's that's my favourite way of being in the world. Yeah, Who wants to the all Lego be the same? Room and the two personalities. Um. <laughs> the baseball cap that he keeps in a glass cabinet only lets he, he can only, you he can only touch just to it. Play that, yeah. that character, Alex. Correct. Um, so you can so you travel yeah, and have yeah. that flexibility. Travel's yeah. always high on our radar. Um, and professionally, like Mel. In, in her, like she's moving into a really specialised field within surgery, which is, is a huge time commitment. And part of it was our, our own discussion, I'll be very frank with it, that we felt like we wanted to do what we are doing really well. She, she's seen professionals really struggle doing the two. And whether you, you call it a cop-out or the like, we didn't want to be doing two things not so well. Um which it's not to say people don't do two things amazingly, but that, that was a judgment call we sort of made. Was Well, Mel particularly as a mum, she didn't want to be one that was working ridiculous hours and not being there as a mum. So she sort of thought if she wants to be a mum, the two in her mind weren't. And that's where it's a really personal decision that it's lots of people do work crazy long hours in big professional roles and are a parent and may do it amazingly. Like I'm not, I'm not... Um, judging that, but we made the call that no, that wasn't her professional side of it. And personally, I looked at being not looked at. It sounds like I um, investigate. Um, like <laughs> like a stay at home dad, I would have happily sort of looked at that. But I we'd love to adopt maybe at some stage. Um, we've looked at that as something we could do down the track. Um, I like to volunteer with with young people and spend time with with kids in that space as well. At the moment, we. We live a very not. We're right now. We're separate as we're recording this. I'm in Melbourne, and she's in Sydney. And, she's in and Sydney Sydney's lockdown. in a lockdown. Yeah, yeah. But we do live sort of independent, but coexistent lives, which which works really well for us. And and it wouldn't work for a lot of other people who who really need to be with each other, and that's their relationship. Yeah. Fantastic. That's how they work. We. We don't. We aren't in each other's pockets in that sense. Which some people are like, "What you just like?" I, I went off to America for a couple of weeks before COVID. And travelled solo, so we can do things like that, I guess. Yeah, and I, the reason I ask you about this is because I think sometimes people think their lives have to go one way. Yeah. Like I think they think they just have to do the things that are written down somewhere in some manuscript for adulthood. You know, like get it, go to school, graduate, go to university, find someone to marry, get married, have a house, have kids. Do that for a while, then you die. (laughs) You know, and life is just so full of possibilities. And what you bring to the world and to a relationship and to a way of being doesn't have to always be the same as someone else's. And there's just so much out there to explore. Why do you think people sometimes get stuck in that mindset? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the risk, like I'm a risk taker, I'm a gambler. Um, not, <laughs> not, <laughs> I'm not, coming out I'm on the a, podcast to say that I'm, I'm a, a problem gambler. gambler. No, um, <laughs> like I have that side to me. Like I, yeah. I do. You like taking like, yeah, yeah, taking I'm, things like, on and yeah, taking and like doing things, and things differently. And within the teaching world, um, I'm sure you'd attest this, there's a lot of teachers who are safe in their, their world teaching. They may be amazing teachers. They may not be amazing teachers. But 
it's safe for them and it's a job and they're going to return and the thought of doing something different, even the thought of maybe leaving their school to go to another school is just not even on their radar. Mm-hmm. Whereas my, like teaching, I did a few years in my first school, then we moved into state and we wanted to do something different. So I, I think there is that, the, the, yeah, the level of risk, like risk aversion of people, yeah, do you I, think? I think it's fear. Yeah. Too. It's fear of the unknown. And, yeah, different people like to live with a different level of risk. Yep. Some people are really happy to live up on the high wire and some people are more yeah. conservative. But I do think sometimes it's that element of fear because you do, once you step out of the trodden path, it's not as clear where yeah. your road's going to take you, which I find exciting. Yes. You know, and amazing because you just never know what's around the corner. Yeah. And I think once you get – it's a bit like a muscle. I felt like James and I are a bit like that. It's a bit like a muscle. Like the first time you do it where you step out and, I don't know, do a trip somewhere you wouldn't usually go or try and meet someone new or even just volunteer for something that you wouldn't normally have volunteered for – it's a muscle that you, you realise you get so much from that experience from something new. So every time you put yourself out of your comfort zone, you're always kind of levelling up to yeah. something new. Yeah. But I think it's a way of being in the world that not everyone is comfortable with or don't even realise it's a possibility for themselves until maybe something happens in their life where, I don't know, an illness or they lose someone close to them and it makes them wake up. Sometimes you can see that in people and they go, oh, actually, I've always wanted to learn Spanish dancing or something. Why don't I just do it? I'll be dead in 50 years. May as well give it a bell. You know? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why I think it's so important if you have an idea of something you want to do to just go and do it. Because I remember talking to you years ago and you had all these irons in the fire. Oh. Like you've been trying lots of different stuff, <laughs> yes, right? 100%. Yeah. And, oh my Little God. projects my, and different my, ideas. Yeah. And, and I guess that's my mind races at overdrive. And I, like I would like I often talk to other people, mates, and some are similar, some are, are far from it, like you said, and, and they sort of can't understand that I'll have a new something that I'm, I'm buzzing about. Yeah. and like. Just recently I spoke to a colleague, co-friend of ours, um, Prue, about a podcast. I'm like, we should do this podcast. I woke up one morning. <laughs> we haven't done it and I might never do it. I've got a clothing business that's never started. <laughs> I know. That was the idea. I was thinking. Yeah, the whole yeah. idea. And I did pitch it to you. I pitched it to everyone. <laughs> yeah, you totally did. So did. there we go. I'm, I'm in education. And as my all-too-clever wife said, you have – no skills in textiles. You have no <laughs> skills in importing. You've uh, you've never started a business of retail. I don't before. know if you do graphics. Do you? I've, I've got no graphic design, so I actually had zero <laughs> skill set in any related field. <laughs> and and yet I was convinced. And I've got a plastic tub at home with with samples, and I've got rolls of Velcro. Oh, I really got there. And only this is probably the time to reveal. I've, I think the business is dead. <laughs> I, I, I got the domain um, renewal because oh. I've, I've just been paying it year after year. It's $25, $30 a year to, to own that. There's no website there. There's nothing there. Yeah. But I'm like, I just need to – that's my brand. Yeah. And then this year it came for – the email came through and I've let it lapse. Oh, so it's officially it's the end of the dream. So if anyone out there listening wants to <laughs> – Wants a tub full of Velcro. Tub full of Velcro and um, – <laughs> So I have I have my mind races in that sense, which which I love, and and that is so different. Again, con, like yin yang to Mel, um, yin yang to a lot of people who would never think 
in that space and that's their comfortable zone. But I'm, yeah. my mind sort of can't stop racing. Yeah, there. I'm the same. I, You know what I find hard about it is that I – because I really have a superpower, which I feel like you do too, of getting people on board of a thing. Yeah. Like because I'm so enthusiastic, I'm just like, we're coming. Yeah. We're going for this yeah. thing. And then they'll see me the next week and they'll be like, so what's happening with the thing? And I'll be like, oh, no, uh, I'm not really into it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's what I find really, like sometimes quite awkward. Like I'll have started, I don't know, teaching myself Italian. I'll like do a joke in Italian to a friend who's Italian yeah. and they'll like then the next time I see them in a couple of months, they'll come at me full Italian. I won't even remember the thing that I was doing or the joke that I told them. Like, yeah. Just, but it is just the way you are, right? Yeah. Everyone's different. And, yeah. yeah. So I've, I've wanted to learn all the digits of pi up to 100. All so right. pi is in the mathematical uh-huh. term, 3.14. I got to 20 and, again, it's an idea I might go back to. Was there well, any reason for that? No, no, just absolutely. Just for fun. Just for fun. I'm not painting a good picture. Now that I'm putting this together, Lego. <laughs> <laughs> Memorising the, the digits to pi to 20. <laughs> That's where I've got to. Uh, Velcro badges. Velcro badges. My gosh. Who are you? Amateur movies. Where did you go? <laughs> you are actually an expert in the field that we just talked about. Yeah, I do reflect <laughs> and I put things together like this on my own, who I am, and go, what? It's it's like someone's just got like a random bag of things and put them in, in there. Because yeah, you'd be into footy too, right? Yeah, like I, I still play football. football. Yeah, yeah, still play football now. Um a friend described me as a chameleon once because she said, like, you fit in with a footy crowd but then you'll you'll be equally sort of in a totally different with, um, like, I used to love a shop I worked at. We had all these elderly folk who came. It was a little supermarket and I used to yeah. love chatting to and, – and people would mock me because I'd – I don't know. When you speak to older people, you, you sort of go into a whole other type of com- – you talk about the weather a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. But if yeah. you do it enthusiastically, they love it. So, yeah, I – you're a it's mixed, all about an interesting me now. bag. Yeah, no, but I, find, I just find that great because yeah. I think we're all unique, right? Mm. And we all have a way of being in the world and a story to tell. And and yeah. sometimes people get worried about what other people will think of them. Yeah. Do you worry about that? Are you ever embarrassed? No. Well, I don't. And and this I must say is often a cause for Mel, who again I've referred to her a lot because we are totally different. Um, and in she often and. I don't know if it's a gender thing, um, if there is more in our little um, sample size of male-female relationship. I, I have no concern or interest around what other people think, not in a, hopefully, not in a disrespectful way, but like a little look from someone to me. Like I, I don't read into um, things like she might, she'll come home overly reflect on things, but that also makes her amazing in lots of other ways because that's that sensitive side that maybe I then don't have that side being pretty blunt, but things sort of just go past me. I've said to people I've never been offended and can't be offended, like personally. Wow. Yeah, like anything, like people say, oh, sorry, didn't mean to offend. I'm like, no, I don't get offended. Like like I worry about big things that um, are offensive in society, but personally I don't get offended about things. And, and for a lot of people that's a real challenge and takes a lot of their own energy. So I, I'm lucky, I feel, that none of my energy is wound up in – in worrying um, yeah, about that. Yeah, in, in worrying about that, which is, yeah, you probably have to find a balancing act in that, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. yeah, because, but you're very empathetic too, though, I think. Pathetic. It- <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That's my way to end the, end the interview. And, and mate, you it. are pathetic. I've been wanting to tell you this for That's 20 years. That's why I called years. you in this. 
<laughs> and then 10 people walk in the door. Marty, you are pathetic. we got something to tell you. <laughs> That's why we did this on podcast. It's just a ruse. There's not even a show. I just came to tell you you're pathetic. It's a new podcast revealing mates of yours who are actually pathetic. <laughs> no, no. What I meant empathetic. Empathetic. Because I do think you're empathetic. Gotcha. You know, you can still put yourself in other people's shoes. Yeah. You know, you're not walking around being like, hey, Jerry, get yeah. out of here, you... Dickheads or whatever. I don't know. That's yeah, okay. you know. No, I am. I'm probably not great with my own um, on my own feelings or reflecting on in that sense. It's probably all external. Um, in that's that interesting. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's something I'd be quite open to say that. Yeah, it's not something. Yeah, it gets back to the, like my good mates. And it might be this whole male female thing. Well, often I'd go and hang out with two of my good mates or one of them and. I'll get home and Mel will be, oh, how are they? What you, how, how are they going with this? And now I'm like, I don't know. All we talked about is we talk about superficial stuff. Okay, um, yeah. We're probably getting a whole other topic now. But that whole, I probably fit the stereotypical what a guy talks about with his friends and it's – What do you, What are you talking about? Literally nothing. Like, <laughs> the footy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that it what is. you're talking it's, about? It's sport, like the footy? It, we, we could spend a whole afternoon talking about sport – and just retelling stories of what we've done in the past. I was going to say, that's all James's mates do. They yeah. just talk about the footy. They talk maybe about, I don't know, some bit of politics. And yeah. then it's all just, remember that time when we were 18 and we were in yeah. that tree and we were doing that thing? Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. I, I, we're very much in that. And and that's a, like, we love doing that. Um, and we'll, we've been doing that forever. But we never get under the surface in that sense. And, and yeah, Mel often say, oh, how are they going with that? Or they're, they're, even their kids. And, yeah. and I'm like, uh, yeah, I think they're good. We, we didn't quite. And you, you're like, you spent all afternoon. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and even like my brother, I'd spent some time, a whole afternoon he came to visit and and he'd recently broken up with a long-term partner. And at the end of it, I was, Mel, oh, how's he going with that? And I'm like, oh, we watched the horse races all afternoon. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it's very – whereas that would be the complete opposite for Yeah, I'm tipping if you hang out with your, your yeah, girlfriend. Which, and this is obviously – and I keep saying this on this show because gender is such a spectrum and mm. people are different and different people's relationships are different. Yeah. But in my own life, I do see that there's a quite a difference in my friendships versus, say, James' friendships yeah. and the way that they operate much more on a surface level. Like we wouldn't go for a beer – to talk about deep emotional stuff. Like that's the, that is the topic yeah. when we catch up, you know, you catch up for brunch to find out all of the emotional stuff that's going on for wow. someone and then analyze it all and unpack it all and try and figure out what's going on for them, what's going on for their kids, what's going on for their partner. And we all kind of try and come up with solutions about that. Like it's very rare that I would go out to brunch with a friend and we just talk about something we're interested in. So, Which I said to James is kind of annoying sometimes. Yeah, I, yeah. You know? I find that so interesting. But that is, yeah, the absolute contrast to any relationship I, I have, yeah, in that sense. And what did I come across recently, which I need to go back to listening to, Man Enough? Um, do you know that? Um, I've heard of that. That rings a bell. Um, American actor. He did a TED Talk called something about being man enough and he's released a book and I was just listening to him interview Sean Mendes on his own podcast, but the topic was effectively around men and they're absolutely being trained into this lack of emotion mindset and how there is just no role model for it, therefore it does not. And I'm a perfect example. Like I've, There's nothing around me that's ever sort of set that up to, to sit and chat to friends about anything 
and mental health, those sort of things. Like that yeah. is just absolutely never. Is yeah, there like stuff it. that you do for your mental health? Like, is there anything you do in your life that helps, um, like helps let off steam? Or I think it's always exercise. I, like, I, I I don't strategically do it for that, but I I hope that sort of just in the balanced me that I've sort of religiously exercised for twenty years, whether it's running, football, strength work, whatever. Like twenty four hours without doing it, I start getting itchy feet, literally wanting to get out and, and do things. So. I think, like, scientifically it's proven how good exercise mm. is for mental health. So, yeah, that's probably my my big one. Um, I know meditation, Carly talks a lot about how the brain science around meditation is unequivocal and how good it is for all sorts of well-being. And I haven't got into it. Again, I'd, I'd love to. Do you do meditation in I any way? I do. I did, I should say. I'm out of the habit of it. I kind of go in through cycles with it. Sometimes I'll do it and it's wonderful. Yeah. But I think when you have really tiny kids like we do, the idea of having 15 minutes to yeah. sit and meditate is sort of a dream, That especially when you're running your own business at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> much prefer to brush my teeth <laughs> and kind of brush my hair and yeah. have a shower or put my face cream on, which yeah. is – but I do know that when I do meditate, it is so good for me. But I, I actually find meditation in walking or running yeah. or exercise for me. There's something connecting in, which I know I'm sure purists of meditation and Carly would say meditating while you're exercising is not the same as sitting and meditating yeah. deeply. But for me, yeah, I have to choose at the moment with my time what's yeah. more valuable and because we have such little amount of our own time when you've yeah. got tiny kids. So exercise is the big one for me that I would do the same for my yeah. mental health because I need that endorphin hit and a full-on exercise like yeah. a run or something really strenuous. Yes. None of this yoga BS for me. Even yeah. though people love yoga and swear by it, yeah. I need like really intense workout yeah. and that will kind of lift whatever's going on for me in my head yeah. much more. So Is it because during that exercise you're not thinking about other things? Is it? Partly, or you yeah. do still, your mind still right. I reckon it clears everything. Yeah. It just clear reset. It feels like a reset. Yeah. You know, and I did read something about how exercise is kind of helping to regenerate your cells even yeah, at a molecular yeah. level. And I feel, I almost feel like that. Like you get out there, you get your body moving. And so, yeah, your mind's clear, you're less bogged down in heavy thoughts yeah. and even anger and resentment. Because I think what happens in our heads is we get stuck in thought loops, Yeah, yeah. you know, of going over. And often we go over the same couple of stories of things that we've done that haven't been great, Yeah, you know, and you're like, I can't believe I said that. And then if you can separate your mind a little bit, which is what meditation does, it allows you to look at yourself and go, why are you thinking about that thing you said to someone in 2002? Yeah. yeah. Again, you yeah. know, like you could be thinking about anything. Yeah. Why are you thinking about that exact, you know, that one embarrassing moment or that one thing you could have done better or that idea that fell flat that you wish had been better, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah, so I find with running or, or exercise that clears that so, clears it. Something, speaking, I've forgotten to mention, something I have been doing just recently and I'm loving it is cold shower every morning. Wow. I, I started it. I, I read some stuff, a guy called Wim Hof, who's this crazy Dutch guy who's like the extreme of cold water immersion and, and breathing mindfulness He's ran marathons in the Antarctic in barefoot, like, like stupid <laughs> stuff that's not achievable. But the little bit I got out of it was how the cold water 
Um, and I've always liked getting in the ocean in that, in like in winter and the like. But now with it, it's, and it, I think it's hardwired. I've sort of probably had three months of it now of, of every single morning, cold shower like the and as, as it's gone from sort of autumn into winter, yeah, the, the, the temperature out of the tap chills more. Wow. Um, and speaking of clearing your mind, you cannot think of anything else while you're in there except breathing, which is, is yeah. awesome. So you literally, I get up, I'll probably do some stretches or something in the morning and then jump in. It might only be in there 30 seconds before I start feeling pain. Oh, God. <laughs> so it doesn't sound great. And this just happens in winter. You get a bit of pain from the cold. But then the moment you turn it off, your body is zinging. And that's amazing. Wow. I love it. Um, most... People I've mentioned it to friends or family couldn't think of anything worse um, than getting in freezing cold water. But I, it genuinely gives me a buzz of a morning. It is – I love it. Wow. I would encourage anyone, yeah. All right. I'm going to try that. I recently went down the coast and there's these people that meet at 5 p.m. every oh, day and yeah. they jump in the water in winter. And I, they were in their 60s and 70s yeah. and I just saw them like literally frolicking. I couldn't think of a better word. Yeah. In the freezing water – but it was like this thing they just said it's like this addiction but it's kind of exhilarating and you feel alive and and I just thought, yeah, so how can I do that to bring myself in, in when I was living in suburbia? Cold yeah, shower in the morning, shower. all right. Because I, I, be I said recently there. to Mel that I'd just started in the cold shower thing and I was getting out and um, feeling a buzz and I think I said something like wouldn't what, if everyone in the world had cold showers, wouldn't people, wouldn't it be a better place? And I think I said some extreme like, thing that <laughs> there wouldn't it's be. such a mighty thing to say. <laughs> Why doesn't everyone in the world have a cold shower? Every I'm morning. enjoying this thing. Yeah. Let's take it global. <laughs> and, but I think her, I think I said something about mental health. Wouldn't everyone sort of be of a better mindset if they start every day? But as Mel correctly put, people aren't in the mindset to get into the shower. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. You yeah, have to get there. A, to be able to, to make that conscious decision. Um, and it's, it's not for everyone, obviously, it, it, but yeah, that, yeah, that's been amazing for me, to be honest. I've, I've, I've loved okay. it. There you go, exercise thing. and cold and showers. Cold showers. All the right, secrets to are the secrets to a happy long <laughs> life. Excellent. The end. The end. You're and pathetic. <laughs> end scene. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Marty. This has been no so informative and so much. I'll have to have you on again because I really wanted to ask you more about it, boys' education particularly and, yeah. and that kind of realm of your approach with that. So yeah, we'll absolutely. have to come on again and no, um, have a chat. Love to interview your sister too. We'll have yes, to do that absolutely. Well. She'll have a very different take um, on that online space and something we've seen growing around, yeah, just that those influences. Some of the topics I've chatted about, yeah, mm. I think it'd be Insights from an actual genuine parent and not me trying to talk about parenting. (laughs) Absolutely. And where can we find you? What's Um, the best way to find you? In Melbourne, um, Australia, uh, Inform and Empower um, is me. So look me up, Inform and Empower. Love working with primary schools. So if anyone out there is interested in in that digital space, working with both students, teachers and parents, um, we'd love to hear from you. Excellent. That's it. And you're on Twitter too, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. So we can find you over there too. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bye. Okay. That's our episode for this week. You've been listening to Tom's podcast with me, Claire Tonti, and this week with the wonderful Martin McGoran. 
You can find more from Marty at his website, informandempower.com.au. And I highly recommend going over there for more information and resources. If you are a parent or a teacher and you think your community could do with some more educating around this, and I think we all could really, you can also book an appointment for Marty to come and talk to your school, which I totally recommend if you're in Australia. And he also does digital presentations too for this new online world we are living in. If you wouldn't mind, I'd love you to chuck us a review over on iTunes. You can do it straight in app, just like Joey No Fums has, learning so much without being preached to. Just honest life experience backed by facts. Funny, classy, and my new favourite listen. Thanks so much, Joey, and I'll read your review out if you chuck us one just over there. And if you think this episode would be useful to someone in your life, please share it with them. That's how we get discovered. That's how I keep making these episodes And I also think there's some really great information in this one. It's just one of those topics, isn't it, that I think we could all do with some more tools and strategies and just a little bit of feeling like we're not alone in stressing about this kind of stuff too. So, um, yeah, that would just mean the world to me. And if you want more from me, I'm over at Claire Tonti on Instagram and you can also check out my website, clairetonti.com, for more of my podcasts. I do Suggestible with my husband man, James Clement, that comes out every Thursday where we give you cheeky recommendations for what to watch on Netflix. Sometimes it's recipes, sometimes it's podcasts, sometimes it's books, and it comes out every Thursday. You can also subscribe to my newsletter in the link below. And as always, thank you so much to Raw Collings for editing this episode. All right, till next week. Stay safe, guys. Bye. Bye.